If you don't have a Bible, find somebody who's got one because you're going to need one this morning. All right, hold it up real high. And I want you to repeat after me and mean it from your heart. Say, this is God's word, not Pastor Edmund's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I'm going to have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly confess that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open and I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this time that we have together around your word. I pray that you will... Uh, increase as I have decreased so the anointing of God can teach your people your word. Father, I thank you for the principles and the oracles of God being so clear that when we leave this place we can live a life that is above average. That we'll leave this place, Father, living and increasing our quality of life because we've obeyed your word. And so I thank you, Father, that there are no distractions that will keep your people from hearing and receiving. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. Last week I gave a rated PG joke. I got another rated PG joke this morning. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, brace yourself. On a special teacher's day, a kindergarten teacher was receiving gifts from her pupils. The florist's son handed her a gift. She shook it and held it over her head and said, I bet I know what it is. And she said, flowers. And he said, how did you know that? She said, just a wild guess. Then the next pupil was the candy store owner's daughter. The teacher held up her gift over her head, shook it and said, I bet I can guess what is in this box. She said, what? A box of candy. That's right, but how did you know, said the little girl. Just a lucky guess, said the teacher. The next gift came from the liquor store owner's son. The teacher held the bag over her head and noticed that it was leaking. So she touched a drop of the leakage, leakage with her finger and tasted it and said, Is it wine, she asked? And he said, No. The teacher repeated the process, touching another drop of the leakage to, leakage to her tongue. Is it champagne, she asked? And the little boy said, No. So the teacher said, I give up. What is it? The little boy said, A puppy. <laughs> I know that wasn't right, right there, that wasn't right. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, that wasn't right. Amen. It was just a joke, just a joke. All right. Well, this morning, I'm going to continue on a teaching with our series called Trusting God for Your Finances. Say that with me. Say, Trusting God with My Finances. Now, of course, the purpose of this series is to give you a biblical foundation to God's way of prospering and managing money. In this series, again, you're going to learn the difference between the world's way of dealing with money versus God's way. 
You will learn the biblical system that God uses to bless and prosper his people. You will learn the key to getting more than where you are along with a unique way of managing your everyday financing finances by identifying your leaks. Everybody say leaks. And learning how to control your spending in the framework of a money management system. We will also look at ways to increase your cash flow without earning any more than what you're making. Basically, I'm going to show you how to get a raise without any ma making any more money. Can you say amen to that? <laughs> now, most of all, we're going to look at some money takers and some budget breakers and reasons why our finances may not be blessed. Today's lesson is designed to help you trust God more with your money and to give you a biblical attitude regarding money. Now, every week for this series, I'm going to give you a financial mental challenge before I start the lesson. Last week, I talked about how Jesus could not have been poor. And some of you all were looking at me like, I cannot believe, I didn't know that, I didn't know that. So I want to give you another one. Go to Matthew chapter 2 very quickly. Matthew chapter 2. This is nothing uh, more than to expand your mind when it comes to money. Matthew chapter 2. And then once I show you this uh, financial fact, then we'll move on to the, uh, the lesson this morning. My, uh, Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. Now, watch this. This is when the wise men came to Jesus when he was born. Now, contrary to popular belief, the wise men and the shepherds did not show up at the same place. Because the, uh, the same time or the same place. The Bible says the shepherds who were in the field, when they got to Jesus, he was in the inn or in the, in the stable. But when the wise men got to him, let's, let's pick it up in verse 11. It's talking about the wise men. And when they were come into where? The where? So Jesus had a house. Now watch this. People say, remember that scripture that says foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man have no place to lay his head. Why would he say that if he had a house? It's because he was out of town. Now watch this. That ain't, that ain't the fact I want to show you. Watch this. I just want to throw that out there that Jesus had a house. They saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their what? Treasures with an S. They presented unto him what? Gifts. Come on, say it again. Gifts. Is that plural or not? Okay. Now, what's the next word? Gold. And then what else? Frankincense. And then what's last? Now, I just want to focus on gold. Everybody say gold. Now, in the Bible, we hear a lot about the word talents. And typically in the Bible, when people were given gold, they were given gold and talents. And that's why when you read, it talks about talents of gold. And, uh, you know, the, the, uh, remember when uh, Bathsheba came to hear or to see Solomon? The scripture says, and you can write this down as a reference, that's in... Uh, uh, let me see here. First or second? Is it first or second Chronicles? Let me see here. In First Kings chapter ten, verse two through nine, you can just look at that. But she brought to Solomon a hundred and ninety talents. Now let me help you expand your mind just a little bit before we jump into my lesson, just a little bit. I researched it, and a talent back in those days was equivalent to a person's weight physically. Okay, I have a slight hum, just a slight hum back here. Okay, and when I looked it up, it was about 75 pounds that a talent weighed. Now, 
The international market today, the value of one talent, listen to this, comes to $660,000 U.S. dollars. One talent. One talent of gold. So my question to you is, now, now, now when you look up 1 Kings and it talks about Queen Sheba, she brought Solomon 120 talents of gold. Well, if each talent was 660000 how much money did she bring that brother? She brought him $79,200,000 just as a gift. Now, let me break it down in the context. When they brought Jesus gold, I know they had to bring him at least a talent. Just one. Remember the parable that he was talking about, the talents? He, one man gave one talent, and one man gave five, and one man gave two. Well, you know what that is equivalent to? One man given one talent was given 660000 That's how much he gave that man to invest. And that's why he took it back from him. Because he didn't just give him $10 to, to invest. He gave him $660,000 according to today's value. The second person who had two talents, that was $1.32 million. And the third person that had five, that was $3.3 million. And that's why he took the one from the one who dug it in the ground and took it. He said he took it from him and he gave it to the one that had five because the one that got, had five got him $3.3 million more. Can you say amen? All right. So, the only reason I'm doing this series is because some of you in this room are too comfortable with where you are financially. Just too comfortable. All your needs are met. You can pay your bills on time. And, and you know, you got enough in savings and all that. But you know what? God wants to do more in your life and more in his kingdom. And if you stay right there, that's as far as he can use you. Amen. Some of us are violating God's laws regarding finances. And our finances are just completely out of whack. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. Is he talking to you? Look at your other neighbor and say, neighbor. Let me see your checkbook and I can tell you. <laughs> Some of us in here have never grasped the power and principles of prosperity. Let me tell you something about Pastor Edmund. The only reason I am where I am is because I live a principled life. See, I learned a long time ago that my feelings really don't have a whole lot to do with God's word. And when you can focus on the principle and forget about the feelings, you can go a whole lot further than, than, if, you, than if you would. Now, I, I don't say that feelings are wrong. They're not wrong, but they're not always real. Some of us in here need to go to the next level financially, and that's why I'm doing this lesson. And then last but not least, some of us are on point, and we're doing just right, and we're good, and our finances are on track, but we need a refresher course. Everybody say refresher course. All right, now, last week we talked about uh, trusting God for our finances, and we, we gave five things that you can expect God to do when you trust Him with your finances. Five things that you can do or expect from God when you trust Him with your money. The first one was, I can expect God to meet my needs. Everybody say, meet my needs. When you trust God with your money, you can expect him to meet your, meet your needs. Number two, when you 
trust God with your money, you can expect God to bless you with increase. Now, we talked about all these in detail last week, so just get the, get the CD because I'm not going to cover all of it. I'm just going to go through these. Number three, we said you can expect God to help you during the times of shortage and difficulty. And I labored on that point because many of us, when it comes to difficulty, we don't trust God, and that's why the difficulty stays longer than what it should. Many of us, we bow our knees to circumstances instead of standing on God's word and speaking to the mountain. Amen. Number four. I really said it was four things last week. I added one. Number four is we can expect God to rebuke the devourer. In other words, in Malachi chapter 3, God says, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. That just says that God will protect the money that he has blessed me with if I will trust him with what he's given me. Can you say amen? And then number five, I can expect God to do exceeding more than what I expect. And Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says that he will do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or even think. So really, I can expect God to do a whole lot more than what I thought he would if I can just trust him. And see, there's a certain level of confidence that you get when you, can, when you know you've done right with God. And when you can learn how to just obey. See, until y'all learn faith, and, and I was listening to my own CD this past week, and, and boy, you need to get, uh, remember I was talking about faith, and I talked about the components of faith. Get, get CD number two on the components of faith, because I'm telling you, it just blessed me, because some of us still haven't gotten to the point where we learn how to use our faith. So guess what? Let me tell you how to still receive from God if you have not mastered faith. Just obey. Because your obedience can get you further sometimes than what your faith had already had planned for you. Amen. Some things that your faith will get you. See, like, for instance, my faith believed God for the 22s that I had on my car. But obedience got me the 24s. Somebody say amen. Amen. I wasn't trying to believe. They just came. Amen. So. What I want to do this morning is to focus on our attitude towards money. So if you want a topic today, it's your attitude towards money. Now, this is point number one. Our attitude and actions toward money will determine how much money we can handle and how much money God can trust us with. I'll say that again. This is point number one. Our attitude towards money, well, our attitude and our actions towards money will determine how much money we can handle and how much money God can trust us with. Many of us, the only reason I'm going through this lesson right here on attitude about money, because a lot of us, our attitude started out right but ended up wrong. You say, well, what do you mean by that? See, when I read God's word, you know, I really got, I didn't get tithing from a preacher. I didn't even get tithing from the Bible. I saw my dad tithing. Now, to me, he was giving too much. But now, since I understand what he was doing, I was like, wow, he, 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 he had the principle down. But see, many of us, you can be doing the right thing for the right reason. And then somebody come along and contaminate what you are doing because they don't believe what you're doing. Well, never take financial advice from somebody who's not doing better than you. Amen. Watch this. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 8. This is where I'm jumping right in the middle of this morning's lesson. Deuteronomy chapter 8. That's in the Old Testament. And here's what we're going to describe this morning, hopefully. We're going to talk about the world's attitude towards money versus God's perspective and attitude towards money. 
We're going to talk about the world's attitude towards money versus God's perspective regarding money. Deuteronomy chapter 8, and then we're going to start in verse 10. Watch what it says. When you have eaten and are full, then you shall what? You shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has what? Given you. Now what we don't realize is that when he said you shall bless the Lord, we think and interpret that as thank you Lord, I praise you for blessing me. But that's not what that word bless means. Notice he told us or them to bless the Lord, but he said when, or it goes in order, it says when you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord. Now I want to I want to share something with you. That word blessed there means to give. I'm going to prove it to you. Keep your hand in Deuteronomy because we're going to come back. But I want you to now go over to Genesis chapter 24. Genesis chapter 24. That's not far from Deuteronomy. Genesis chapter 24. And, we're going to, and I want you to write down verse 34 if you're taking notes. Now, we're looking at that word blessed. He said, when you are eaten and you are full, then you will bless the Lord your God. Well, let's look at what blessed means. Genesis chapter 24, look in verse 34. If you're there, say, I'm there. Good. Watch this. And he said, this was that servant that I was talking about last week that Abraham had. He said, and he said, I am Abraham's servant, and the Lord has what? Bless my master greatly. How do we know that? Because he has become great and God has given him flocks and God has given him what else? Herds and, and what else? Silver and what else? Gold and men servants and maid servants and camels. See, it says here, God blessed Abraham, but he blessed him by giving. Let me show you another example. Go over to the book of Psalm, if you would. Psalm 132. Let's look at this word, bless, again. Because, see, we grew up sometimes in traditional church, and when you say, well, bless the Lord, bless the Lord. So everybody gets up and starts singing and shouting and, and, and jumping. And you can do all that, but God is still waiting on you to give him something after he gave you something. Amen. Psalm 132. And let's look in verse 13. Psalm 132, 13. Watch this. For the Lord God has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his habitation. This is my rest forever. Here will I dwell, for I have desired it. Here's the focus verse, verse 15. I will abundantly bless her provision. I will abundantly give her provision. I will satisfy her poor with bread. So we can see that when that particular word blessed that was used in Deuteronomy, every time it was used, it was used in reference to somebody giving somebody something. Let's look at one more and then we'll stop. Proverbs chapter 22. Just go over to one book. Proverbs 22. And write down verse 9. Let me show you this word again. Proverbs 22, 9. It says, he that has a bountiful eye shall be blessed. Now, we were, that word blessed means to give. Let me show you why. Because in that verse it says, he that has a bountiful eye shall be a giver, for he gives of his bread to who? To the poor. So what's my point in this this morning? First of all, to have a good attitude towards money, you got to realize that when God blesses you, he expects you to do something with what he gave you with. Amen. Now go over, go back to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Go back to, I mean, Deuteronomy. Uh, let's go to 28 instead of 8. You can let go of 8. Let's go to 28 real quick. Deuteronomy 28. Now I'm about to show you a principle. 
that if you can grab this, you, want, you really don't have to struggle anymore unless you just want to. <laughs> Amen. Now, here's the point I'm going to write. You can write this down. Money is the source of the world's prosperity versus God is the source of our prosperity. Did you hear what I said? Money is the source for people who are in the world. But God is our source, and money is just a resource. Everybody say resource. resource. Now watch this. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse, verse uh, look at verse 8. It says, Now the Lord shall command the blessings to come on you and in your storehouse and all that you set your hand to, and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. He will do what? He will bless you. Look at somebody and say, God will bless you. Now, if you go back to Deuteronomy 28, it says, For it is the Lord your God that gives you the power to get wealth. So the world thinks that it's their smartness, it's their wisdom, it's their, their intelligence. They think that that's what blesses them. But to, uh, for us to have a biblical attitude, we have to see that it is God that blesses us. In fact, when you look up Deuteronomy 8, it says that he gives us the power to get wealth. So really, listen, the money you make, God gave you the power to make it. He said, well, I'm the one that worked 20 hours. Well, where'd you get the legs to to work at? Okay, we say, well, I don't have no legs. Then where'd you get the arms? Well, I ain't got no arms. Then where'd you get your breath then? Somebody gave you some breath because you can't do no work without breathing. In other words, our source for wealth comes from God. But if you don't realize that, then you will make money your God like the world does. Can you say amen? Amen. All right, here's what we're going to do. I want you to turn now. Watch this. Over to Isaiah. Go to Isaiah 48. Isaiah 48. Because the world believes that their smartness, their wisdom, and their effort is what brings their prosperity. However, the attitude of a believer needs to be, God gives me the power. God gives me what I need to get the wealth. Isaiah 48, 17. It says this. If you're there, say, I'm there. Okay, good. It says, Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord thy God, which what? He what? He teaches you to do what? Profit. And not only does he teach me to profit, if I trust him, he will lead me by the way that I should go. So even if you don't know how to make money, God will say, I'll show you how to make it. Amen. Now, go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Because obeying God's word when it comes to money to the world is foolishness. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. That's in the New Testament. If you're visiting us for the first time, Pastor Evan going to give you enough scripture that when you go home, you're going to think about Jesus. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 1.27. Watch this. Obeying God's word when it comes to money to the world is foolishness, but God's wisdom regarding money brings blessing if I obey him. See, you can't tell people who are in the world who don't know the Lord. You know, I mean, they can ask, but, but if you follow the way they do it, you're going to end up bankrupt. Watch this, 1 Corinthians verse, chapter 1, verse 27. Watch what it says. It says, but the Lord has chosen the foolish things of the world to do what? 
confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound that which are mighty. In other words, God's ways, and you can write this down, we're not going to turn to it, but if you go over to the book of Isaiah, uh, I think it's Isaiah uh, 55, verse 8 through 11, it says that my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are my ways your ways, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher. So listen, I have to lift my level of thinking up when it comes to dealing with money, because if I don't, I will do money the way the world does. Now see, here's the sad part. See, I want to live such a life that the world has to ask me, how did you do that? I was going through the, through the drive-thru the other day, of course, in Wendy's. You know, it's sad that when you go through a drive-thru enough that, you know, one, the lady who take the money said, you are always on the phone. <laughs> That's sad when she say that. Huh? Well, when I got to the next drive-thru where they, where they give you the food, this guy, he was like, Woo-wee! What you do? No, that's exactly what he did. What you do? I said, I'm a pastor. Oh. <laughs> that's always the answer. Oh. <laughs> he said, boy, I like those rims. I said, Thank you, because you need to serve the Lord because he gave them to me. He, he what? <laughs> I said he gave them to me, and you need to serve the Lord. And I kept going. In other words, the world needs to see that there's a different way that God can still prosper you because without hurting you. The blessings of the Lord makes you rich. And add no sorrow. In other words, once God bless you, you don't have no buyer's remorse that he blessed you. I don't have buyer's remorse over my 24s. <laughs> Amen. Now watch this. Watch this. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Because see, the world loves money before loving God. And if we're called to love God first, then we need to make sure that we're not loving money before, or money is not put before God. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Verse 10. Everybody know this verse. I'm going to show you something different about this verse. Watch this. Watch this. Now watch this. This is good. If we handle money the way the world does, eventually, everybody say eventually. Eventually, we will get ourselves caught, caught up in stuff that, that really is going to not only destroy us financially, but also can really knock us out of faith. Let me show you what I mean. Watch this. First, first Timothy t- chapter 6, verse 10. For the love of money is the what? Root of all evil. Back in the day, they said that money was the root of all evil. Money is not the root of all evil because money builds churches. Amen. Amen. Money feeds the poor. Amen. It's the love of money, it says, is the root of all evil. But watch, 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 watch what happens. Now, here's my point. Here's my point. When we put money over God, we end up in situations that create sorrow. Now, when I say money over God, I don't, I'm not just talking about just because you tithe. See, some of us as Christians think, well, just because I tithe, everything still ought to be right financially for me. No, because you got to remember the 90% that you kept still belongs to God. And before you jump into something, you need to be prayerful and say, Lord, should I do this? And so when we don't, when we put money over God, 
we end up in situations that create sorrow. Let me show you what I mean. Because the next part of that verse says, For the love of money is the root of all evil. For while some covet it after. People who desire money more than they desire God. People who think about money more than they think about God. They have erred from the faith. Do you know if you put money in the wrong category in your life, it will cause you to leave God? Let me tell you something. I will say it again and again and again. The devil is not God's biggest enemy. Money is. Why Jesus said you cannot serve God. He didn't say God and the devil. Because Jesus said I've already taken care of the devil. He said I've spoiled principalities. And I've, I've made a show of them openly. And when he rose from the grave. He said all power has been given unto me both in heaven and earth. So Jesus already has defeated the devil. But see, that money, everybody say, them's monies. Come on, say it again. Say, them's monies. Now, I know that's not good English, but I know you understand what I'm trying to say here. It says here, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. You show me somebody who ended up in a financial mess, and I'll show you somebody who did not allow God First of all, they didn't even trust him on the, on, with the 10%, which I, next week I'm going to talk about the understanding about that. Because, see, I hate somebody telling me to do something and then don't tell me why or how I need to do it. Many of us grew up, you need the tithe. You need, well, why? Tell me how. And many of us, we were, we were pushed to tithe out of fear factor. See, Whenever you connect to the principles of God, your expectation should be the promise and not the penalty. Okay, let me, uh, let me rewind. Okay, let me say this in a different way. Many of our mindsets, we do what we do out of fear and not out of faith. So you started tithing because you said, boy, if I don't tithe, I'm going to be cursed. That's the only part that you know. You don't know the promise. You don't know what God said. You don't know what God said he'll do. All you know is, I don't want to be cursed. Well, you cannot even take full advantage of the blessing because you don't even know it. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. Now watch this. Go to Psalm 24.1. Psalm 24.1. Psalm 24.1. Verse 1 says, the earth belongs to who? The Lord. the Lord. And the what? Fullness thereof. Are we the fullness? Absolutely. So what down here doesn't belong to God? Come on, somebody help me now. That's not a trick question. How much down here does not belong to God? Nothing. So that means now, I'm not an owner, I'm a steward. And a steward only does what the manager tells him to do. And that's why many of us, some of us get in trouble. Oh, we, pay, we may pay our tithe. See, I, I, next week I'm going to help shift your attitude when it comes to that because... See, tithing protects you. Your offering increases you. I, I, 
can prove it to you. See, when you go back and read Malachi, we forget Malachi says, bring ye all the tithes and the offerings. It don't just say bring all the tithes. So that means bringing tithe and offering completes the promise that I can extract from that verse. And the promise is that the windows of heaven will be open, that God will pour out a blessing that I won't have room enough to receive. He will rebuke the devourer. But if I don't complete the equation with both of those situations, then I can't expect all of the promise. And that's why some of us, our knees barely get by meeting, getting met, because all we know is, you know, I remember growing, uh, when I first got saved, because, you know, you have to understand, I was 20. Four, 20, no, 20, I'm sorry, 27, making $40,000 a year. Now, this was back in 19, 19. Ni- watch yourself now. <laughs> trying to make me look old, is that what you're trying to, oh, that's all right, you married to me now. <laughs> you like that old man, don't you? Uh-huh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I feel you, I feel you, okay, 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 okay. I mean, when I first got saved, I took it literally. I mean, my check was like, let's say, you know, $2,579.20. I made sure my tithe was like $279.40 or whatever, you know. I mean, I, you know, finally, I was like, I'm tired, you know, because when you don't balance your checkbook good, all those zeros and stuff get you off. So I was like, you know what, I'm just going to round up because I'm tired of figure, trying to figure out, you know, you're getting your calculator out, click, 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 10%, and, you know, you go down, you know. But see, the bottom line is this. When my attitude is correct when it comes to being a steward versus an owner, it all belongs to God anyway. Can you say amen? Now watch this. Luke chapter 18, verse 18 talks about the rich young ruler. The world's way of thinking says this. Money will solve all of my problems and make me happy. I got some good news and some bad news. Money can make you happy, but it don't solve all your problems. If it, if it, and, and really, it does not, it can make you happy, but just for a little while. If that's the case, why are all these stars just killing themselves and committing suicide? They got mi- millions of dollars in the bank. Why, one lady left her dog like $20 million. Her dog. What is her dog? What are you going to do? Eat kibbles and bits? $20 million worth of quint? You know, I mean, that lady could have, she could have left that to a worthy cause that somebody could have left a legacy for her name. Amen? But the rich young ruler, this was his attitude. Let me show you why I know money won't make you happy. Because the Bible says, first of all, it's, go, go to Luke 18. We'll, we'll stop right here. Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. I did not finish. Luke chapter 18. I never finish, do I? <laughs> Luke chapter 18. I really didn't get to the good part because I really wanted to show you the proper attitude towards money. I'll do that next week and then hopefully flow into what I got planned on the next week. All right? All right. Let's look at this. Luke chapter 18. Here's my point. Here's my point. The world's way of thinking says money will solve all of my problems and make me happy. Look in verse 18. Jesus said to the rich young ruler, now, he said, the rich young ruler saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why do you call me good? There's none good but one. He said, You know the commandments. Don't commit adultery. Watch. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Look, everybody look up. 
Watch the specific commandments that Jesus says to this guy. He says, first, you shall not commit adultery, right? He says, do not kill, right? He said, do not steal, right? He said, do not bear false witness, right? He says, honor thy father and thy mother, right? Look what he said. Oh, I've done all these from when I was a young person. There's one commandment that Jesus did not say because he wanted this guy to see that the first commandment is the one he was breaking. And the first commandment is you should have no other God before me. And that's why Jesus said to him, okay, then why don't you do this? Go sell everything you have, give it to the poor. Take up your cross and follow me. And in the verse after that, it says he walked away grieved because he was very rich. See, watch this. Riches had him. He didn't have the riches. He was breaking the first commandment and did not know it. When you break the... See, anytime, if you pay somebody before you pay God, you, that's just, you're the rich young ruler. Ooh, you said, ooh, I'm just stepping in all kind of stuff. Ooh, I smell poop up here. Y'all smell poop? <laughs> I want you to see this. Watch this, watch this, watch this. If money will make you happy, why did the rich young ruler leave sad? Watch this. Anything you put before God becomes your God. So here's a money test. If you give others money before you give God his, your trust is in others and not in God. So when you get your paycheck and hear your bills, and as soon as you get your paycheck, instead of putting God's money aside, you start paying everybody else. That's who you trust. You trust. I don't want my lights cut off. Well, I'd rather have my lights cut off and sit in the dark and trust God. Let me tell you something, and I'll close with this. Lady Sar, you know, she had a lot of zeal when we went Bible school. A lot of zeal. A lot of zeal. Very little knowledge, but a lot of zeal. No, no, no. She had a lot of zeal. She loved the Lord, loved the Lord. She, old girl had one pair of shoes. One pair. She gave them away. And said, you know, the Lord told her to give the shoes away. When she came back to her room, she didn't tell nobody she gave her shoes. Now, she had more than one, one pair of shoes. She just gave away stuff. She gave a whole lot of stuff away. She gave her last pair of shoes away. Now, what you going to do if you're giving away your last pair of shoes? How long was it before you got that, when you came back to the room? Was it the same day? Okay, so, you know, you have to wear shoes in the cafeteria because that was part of the dress code. <laughs> so she went back to her room, and when she got there, someone had given her, were they brand new? Brand new shoes, but she had never told anybody that she had given her last ones away. Now listen, let me tell you a secret about trusting God. God will never ask you to give something you don't have. If you don't have it, now, see, here's what we don't realize. He does want us to be obedient with what we do have. Everybody stand on your feet. I'm going to close with this story. Here's a money test. This is one of the questions I was going to ask you. Do you own anything that you can't or is unwilling to give away? Mm, 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 mm. What a question. I want you to think about what I'm saying. Do you own anything 
that you cannot give away right now. Because if you do, you own it and God don't. And, and I remember, y'all, y'all know the story, but, but, you know, when I bought my first Rolex, it was such a unique Rolex because everybody didn't have one like I had. And then I, I had to put the special Pastor Evan bling effect on it. You know, because I like bling. You know, every, uh, some people like bling, some people don't. Well, I just took that, that, that gold Rolex and I had it high polished. So I had them to buff it out. And so it was just, it just looked shiny. <laughs> then I had a diamond bezel on that thing. And then I have a, di- a diamond dial was already on it. So when you looked at my wrist, you had to wear shades. What time is it? Bam! Oh, Lord, please help me. I'm going blind. I'm cataracts now. I mean, it was blinging. And I enjoyed that Rolex, and it was probably about three years. God wouldn't be- God better not ask me to give that Rolex away because he was going to get a no. I couldn't even phantom giving my Rolex away. Couldn't even th- I didn't even want to sit around and think about that option. It's not something that I wanted to do. And man, when I, when I first started the church, the first conference I went to with my pastor. See, you, people don't realize who you connect to is very important. See, the reason, there are a lot of people who can be people's pastor, but I chose my pastor for certain reasons. One of them, was first one was integrity, because that's, that's how on my list right there. Second one was character, you know, those two are different, because you can have, huh? Oh, Dr. Avi Hillier, that's my pastor. Okay, watch this. But here's the one that, that really got me. He started the church from scratch. So if he hadn't started from scratch, then there's certain struggles he wouldn't understand me having, so to speak, had I not picked somebody who had started from ground zero. So I was at the conference that first time, and uh, offering time came, and we had given, and God had told me to give a certain amount from my church as a seed, and I didn't even do that. God told me at the hotel. See, I pray before I, when it's time for me to give special, I pray. I said, Lord, what do you want me to give? And God told me 5000 in the hotel. I was like, well, I'm not doing that. So when I, when I got to, I'm just being honest, because some of y'all do the same thing. So when I got to the, to, the, to the thing, and so, you know, I wrote my little check out for 2500 from Word of Truth Family Church, put it down there, and as soon as I walked back to the seat, Mr. Derek was, was there at the uh, conference. He said, Pastor, I think we're supposed to give another 2500 See, that was just God just saying, see there, stop being cheap. Because your seed is for your future, not for where you are. So, of course, I went and gave it. But after I gave it, I got back to my seat. The Holy Spirit just so gently said, Evan, I want you to give your Rolex in the offering. I did just like the rich young ruler. I got sad. No, I'm, I'm just being, can I be real? I was not happy. And they say, God loves a cheerful giver, but it don't say he hate a non-cheerful one. Because I was not happy. It was so bad, my wife looked at me. I hadn't told her nothing. She looked at me, she was like, what's wrong? I was like, God told me to give him my Rolex. She said, you better give it to him then. It's like, what encouragement. Thank you for helping me obey God. So I sat there, and if you think about something too long, your flesh is a very unwilling participant in anything that pertains to God. 
I sat there and finally I said, nope, I'm going to give this watch because God, whatever he's got for me is bigger than where I am right now. So I started polishing my watch because I was giving it a funeral. Poor little watch. I hope whoever gets you enjoyed you as much as I did. Plus, I wanted the person who took, you know, because when I put in the offering, the guy took it out and said, let me see if this is real. Hold on. Don't go to your seat. Let me see if it's real. I was like, in front of everybody, I was like, well, not Dr. Heath, whoever was taking up the offering. I was like, no, he didn't. Yeah, it's real, bruh. What you going to do, take it out of the offering when, he, when I turn my back? No, but, but I put it in the offering container. Then my wife did something very powerful. The scripture says, follow those who through faith and patience receive the promise. See, I sold that personally. That didn't come from the church. See, there are things that I want God to do in my life too. So she said, babe, you know, I don't have the faith to give my wife. Because she had a solid gold Concord. 18 carats. With a diamond. I mean, it, was, it cost more than my Rolex. So she said, I want to give it, but I don't have the faith to give it. Then she said, but you know what? I have faith in you, so I'm going to give it because you gave yours. Now watch this, watch this. I look back now. I don't know when the harvest for that came in, but I can tell you this. This year, just take, take our church salary away. Just take that away. We've, inc- we've received at least probably $30,000 extra money from sources, from different people, people and stuff. Just people giving. They don't know what we've given. They just, you know, how many would like 30000 But see, God know what I would do with that 30000 I didn't just spin it up. Because most of us, we like that. Well, we go to the mall, scared, come on! I want you to bow your heads this morning. I think there are some people in this room that really need to recommit to what you already know to do is right. You're already doing it, but you know what? I'm talking to somebody right now. The devil has been creating circumstances financially because he knows you are on the fence when it comes to obeying God. And if you notice, we've already taken up tithing offerings, so I'm not trying to get you to give. I'm trying to get you to come and, and, and adjust your attitude when it comes to how God wants you to trust him with your money. And there are some people here today that, boy, you stay on the fence. You on the fence and off the fence. You on the fence, you off the fence. It just depends on what's going on in your